Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Welcome to Calvary Chapel and welcome to you online, those who are home uh, watching on. If it wasn't for me speaking, that's where I would be. But there you go. The things that take that bring me to church. Oh, there you go. So um, we're going to be looking at First uh, uh, Timothy. So you might want to open your Bibles and, and go there. Um, I thought it was a good opportunity to look at getting back to basics. Um, personally, I'm going through. Uh, I was going through Numbers. Now I'm into. I think it's Deuteronomy. You now it's um. What's after that? I can't remember. So that's, that's, where, that's where I am in the scripture. And I thought, ah, oh, I could go and do something, but I've been teaching through 1 Timothy at home uh, the last few months and 2 Timothy. So I thought, ah, oh, let's go back to that. And those who are in my Bible study, you get a little second reminder. I might throw a, something, a curveball, and it might be a little bit different. I might focus on something else a little bit different. Um, but I thought we'd just do that. And before we start, we'll, uh, we'll just pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the way you work in our lives, Lord, your patience, your comfort, uh, your discipline, and that you have nothing but good things for us. Um, we thank you, Lord, that uh, um, for all the, the kindness that you show, for the things that you're doing in our lives and the things that you're doing in the, the, the people of this church lives and, and those who are around us who don't know you, Lord, we know you're working and that your, your will is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of Jesus. Uh, so we pray, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, that we would, uh, uh, you would open our ears, you would open our eyes, you would open our hearts just to see and to put into place the things that, that you have for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the book of Timothy, it's a, it's a book written by Paul, first and second Timothy. He's written to his young protege, a guy who's young. Um, I imagine it would be like uh, some of these young guys here, you know. Here you go, I've started a church. I've, I've taught in there for quite a while, but I've got to go. So here, it's, it's you take care of it for a while. Uh -huh. So in... 1 Timothy chapter 1, we're just going to read uh, two verses um, just to give you a little bit of background of what's happening. So in uh, verses 3 and 4, and I'll read, you guys can look at it as you go through. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. So Paul leaves Timothy in charge, and he says, I want you to remain in Ephesus. Probably because he didn't want to remain in Ephesus. His job here is to deal with people who are teaching inappropriate things. Thanks, Paul. Really appreciate that. You know, it'd be like Ben says to Samuel, I'm going to go to the U.S. for a few years. Samuel, you keep charge of all the people who are teaching inappropriate things. And you're just like, what? Huh? And more than likely, as you read through this, there's a lot of timidity. He's timid in what he does. And, and I, I actually can sympathize and empathize with him because I don't like to deal with issues. 
I'd rather someone else deal with them. I don't know about you guys. I'd rather someone else deal with them, especially when it comes to church issues because people are very, very uh, strong in their opinions on certain things. And you, but you've got to deal with them. And he's saying, okay, deal with people who are teaching inappropriate doctrine. And the reason why he's got to deal with this is because inappropriate doctrine has ramifications. It hurts people. And it doesn't glorify the Lord at all. Um, it, it gives, it's a, it's, a, it's a strong, it remain here and, char, and I charge some that they do not teach this. Because Paul had set a foundation, and yet something got skewed along the way. He says, watch out for this stuff. In verse 4, he says, don't give feed, uh, heed to fables or endless genealogies which cause disputes. It doesn't do any uh, godly edification. It's, we can get caught up in things that just take us down rabbit holes, that lead you into nowhere, and they just waste time. Time, energy, and it does nothing to build anyone up, including yourself. It doesn't work. It's just, it's really a distraction. It's a distraction against following the Lord and learning more about him. Um, we're going to move through and get to chapter 3, but I'll just do a little bit of synopsis of what's going on. So Paul continues to write here, and he starts to tell Timothy about, listen, this is how you should be running the church in regard to how to worship, how to pray, what to do, what not to do. And then he gets into uh, chapter 3, and he, he looks at qualifications for leaders, for people who would be helping out in ministry. And really, that's everyone in one way, shape, or form. And he gives a whole list of these things. And Timothy's got to sit here and look at this and go, I've got to go through all this and, and find these people. The people who seem to have these qualifications. And it can be a bit overwhelming for a young person to look at others. It's easy for older people, I think, because they have experience. They're on the job experience. They've got life experience. But for a younger person to look at this and go, I don't know. First of all, you've got to spend time with people and understand what they're like in that. And then he's got to make these decisions, and it can be a bit overwhelming. But what I wanted to point out was verse 16 of chapter 3, because he throws this verse in here, which is it's just unreal. Out of nowhere, he puts in verse 16. And let me say this. If you're going through the scriptures, for some reason, the three 16s are just really cool. You know, we all know John 3.16. When you go through the scriptures, 3.16 seem to work. I don't know. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So Paul throws this thing about the mystery of godliness, this hidden truth of godliness. And he says it's, it's without controversy. There is no dispute about this. This is where godliness is. And this is what godliness is. Because we all go through life and we want to be godly. And we should want to be godly. And we should want to live godly lives. That doesn't always work all the time because we're human. But our goal should be godliness, which is God-likeness. What's he like? And he describes it. And he says, this is what the mystery of godliness is. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, 
preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. That's the mystery of godliness. You're like, what are you talking about, Paul? You see, the mystery of godliness has nothing to do with you. The mystery of godliness, he's pointing to a person. He doesn't give a list of things to do to be godly. He points to a person. He says that Jesus came to earth and he lived and he was preached among Gentiles, those who should not even hear from a Jewish perspective, people who are nothing in the eyes of Jews. They get this message. He was believed on in the world and received up in the glory. It's all about him. You keep your focus on him, Timothy. There's your godliness. And the amazing thing is, you don't have to do, 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 do to be godly. You really focus on him and follow him. And, and it just, it's a byproduct. It happens because that's what he does. It's not you, it's him. And then you look back and go, I can't believe that I'm actually doing the things that I'm doing because of him. And it really has nothing to do with me because every time I try to be godly, I fail. And I fail big time. Now we'll move into chapter four. And we're going to spend the rest of the, the time here in, in chapter four. Now, Ben, I timed myself at 41 minutes last night. The whole thing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, so... I'll, I'll go with 10 or 15 seconds, all right? So this chapter is, it's how to minister and what to focus on. And yes, it is to a, a young protege uh, who's going to be ministering to the church, but really we're all ministers in one way or another. You're a minister to your family. You're a minister to your friends. You're a minister to your work colleagues. You are the example. You're the one who God is going to use to change their lives. And I thought this was a, a great chapter. I'll read verse 1 and 3. Now the Spirit expressly says, In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanded to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Paul starts out this section and tells us that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, wants Timothy and he wants us to know that something's going to happen. The Holy Spirit makes it very clear. He actually tells us the Spirit expressly says so when that happens, you're like, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Now, we know the whole scripture is actually taught to us and, and written down and expressed to us through the Holy Spirit. But here it's expressly, now you, you want to pay attention to this. He says, in the latter times, and since Jesus died, really, we're all living in the latter times, and we're still living in the latter times as you go through scripture and you, and you see things, you're like, this is it. We're still in it. And it says, some will depart from the faith. That tells me something that says someone did believe, but they decided to go away, to depart. It doesn't say that they've lost their faith. It says they left their faith. We're not going to get into the whole thing about losing your salvation, yes or no. But this says there's a, there's a specific choice 
I'm departing from the faith. I'm going to go a different direction. And in that it says, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And doctrine is extremely important. It's not just important for me as a teacher. It's important for you as a believer. They're there. God has written all of this stuff down for us to know. So doctrine is extremely important. What is doctrine? Doctrine is basically the teachings. Okay? And he says they're going to go after different doctrines. And the origin of these doctrines are from demons. They're demonic in uh, their, their source. Anytime you would get a doctrine of demons, you could probably nail it down to two things. One is it's going to lead away from Jesus Christ. And the second thing is going to lead to self. Away from Jesus and all about me. Whereas real doctrine is it leads you to Jesus and takes the focus off self and puts the focus on him. Okay? That's why you have the mystery of godliness. It's all about him. And it all focuses on him. It's sort of like uh, in the book of Genesis. It's the, it's the first lie. Um, it's a deceiving lie where Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and God says, you can eat of any tree except that one. And the only reason I'm saying you can't eat of that one is because you will die. It's not good for you. It's actually very, very bad for you. Don't do that. So what does Satan say? He simply says, you won't die. So he's doubting the scripture. He's taking what God has said, it's set, and then he says, no, that's not true. And that's what happens with doctrines of demons. And he says, not only will you die, you won't die. He gives one more thing and he says, oh, you'll be like God. It's going to be, it's, you're going to be, it's just about self. It's going to be like, you're going to be God. You're going to be just like him. So those two things, they, and they're very subtle, but they twist. And we need to be aware of them. But people will depart from the faith. In verse 2, it tells us, they speak lies in hypocrisy. What they say does not equal what they do and how they live. They might tell, do this, but don't even go ahead and even, even think about doing that. To the point where they have their own conscious sear with a hot iron. And searing is basically cauterizing. You know, if you have soft skin, you might even have, see people might have cuts on their skin where they can't stop bleeding. What do they do? They, they cauterize it. They burn it. And they make it hard so that they stop the bleeding. And their conscience gets hard where they don't even know and hear the word of the Lord. It's, it's, it's almost like they just f turning their back on everything that, that they know and have learned about the faith. In verse 3, it turns into legalistic rules, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created. Basically, they end up having rules and regulations on how to be closer to God. Be very, very careful of that because it's belief that God looks at us and says, yes, I approve of that. Nothing else. Our do's and don'ts don't get us closer to God. But they forbid to marry. And basically, anytime put, people put legalistic rules in place, 
There's a hierarchy. I'm higher than you. And that's not good at all. And that's what false teachers do. Um, and they have power over you. It has nothing to do with the word of God. It has to do with other things. So let's move into 4 and 5. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So in these false teachings, talking about you need to stay away from certain foods because these certain foods are going to be bad for you spiritually. I don't know. But God tells us in his word numerous times, Jesus talked about it. Um, Peter had a vision in the book of Acts. Peter, born up a, Jew, a good Jewish kid, he learned the rules about not eating certain foods and, and staying right. And he thought, okay, I need to stay this way. And, and as Jesus, he believed on Jesus, the Lord starts to change him. And the Lord will start to change us over time. And even now, he's still changing me. I mean, I'm almost 55 years old, believe it or not. I still can't believe that. He's still changing me. But in the book of Acts, Peter, he, he's, he goes into this trance. He goes into sleep. And, and in this dream, he sees a sheet come down. And in this sheet, in uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 12, and I'll read 12 to, to 15, he sees this and, and he sees in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Peter had always done the right thing of what he learned, but he needed to relearn. And God gives him this vision and shows him these animals, and these animals are not the animals that he would eat. And he's saying, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. I mean, that's God's word. And Peter obviously says something that we all should not say, but we do. Not so, Lord. It's like, I, you have command over my life, but I have a choice to say no. No, but we do. Let's get real. We, we, we say no, and the Lord's gracious with us, and we, and we get changed over time. But he says here, and this is what you should hear. The voice spoke to him again, what God has cleansed you must not call common. It's written down in scripture, God has cleansed them. So to say that foods should not be eaten here, the word of God's telling us it's okay. It's okay. And the apostle Paul would, I think it's in Corinthians, where he talks about it's okay to do this as well. So the word of God is putting the stamp of approval. You can eat that stuff. Okay? So in verse uh, 5, it is sanctified by the word of God. So the word of God's telling us this. We can see it. We can read scripture and go, okay, I got this. And prayer, well, we, we thank God for the, the food that he's provided for us. But nowhere does it say you, you shouldn't eat that sort of stuff. You know? Yes, there are certain foods, and my wife's teaching me about sugar and different things like that. All right? And I'm learning. 55 years, remember. 
So I'm learning. Um, so we'll move on to verse 6. And in verse 6, it tells us, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So, Paul again is writing to Timothy. He says, you know, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister. So we need to look at this. And if you were in my Bible study at home, I would say, okay, tell me what these things are. Because you can look at this and go, oh, yeah, these things. But personally, I want people to know what they are. Because we can easily just go, these things. Yeah, yeah. So what are these things? Well, we just looked at. We looked at there's dangerous stuff. There's dangerous teachings out there that forbidding to marry, basically telling you what to do in regards to that. They're fiddling with marriage. You know, God says marriage is good. Don't fiddle with that. Um, what you should or should not eat, the do's and don'ts. And he's going, if, if, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you're a good minister. Just tell them about Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. You're a good minister. I take that on board and I look, okay, that's, it takes the pressure off me. I just need to teach what the scriptures tell. It should take the pressure off you as well. And you go, I don't have to figure all this stuff out. I just have to teach what's on the page. It really is quite refreshing. But he says, you're a good minister of who? Well, you're a good minister. And, and if Sally was in my Bible study, she would get this question. Because Sally always says, Jesus, you know. So of who? Jesus Christ. That's who, you're, who you're, you're a minister of. You're not a minister of Bob. You're not a minister of the people. You're a minister of Jesus Christ. That's who you're representing. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you carefully followed. Nourished means fed. So how do you be a good minister? You need to feed it yourself. We should all be in the word of God. And I don't know what everybody does on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, a monthly, yearly. But what I do have a concern about is living the Christian life and not opening your Bible. You need to do this. You need to. I need to do this. I know a lot of this stuff, but I need to know it again and again and again and again and again. I need to be reminded because he talks to me about things. Like I'm sitting here going through, this is a new one, so this might go a couple more minutes, Ben. Um, I'm going through the book of Numbers. And I'm like, some of it's boring. You know, you need to kill two cows, seven uh, lambs, and, and a couple turtle doves, and over and over and over and over. And then they stuff up. Oh, you're not giving us food. Oh, we need. And he gives them manna. And they get the manna. And he says, don't do this. And they don't do it. He, they, and they screw up again. We don't have any uh, to drink. My life's fine. And, and, and then you get this section where there's Balak and Balaam. And Balak's uh, he's a, he's a king in the, in the area. He's, he's scared. These people are too big. They're, gonna, they're invading everything. I'm, I've had enough. So he gets this, this prophet named Balaam. Who everybody knows. He knows them. They know each other. He says, listen, come here and curse these guys, you know? And they've just stuffed up over and over and over again. And Balaam, we, we, you guys know the story. But eventually, 
Balaam comes to Balak, and Balak says, you know, just curse these guys. And he goes, listen, all I can do is just do what God says to do. So he, he blesses them, and he's furious. Man, I told you, that's not what I wanted. I wanted these guys to be cursed. So he goes and blesses them again. And then God says to Balaam, he gives him this word. Basically, and I'm sort of changing the words. These are my people, and I love them, and I'm going to bless them. And I'm looking at it going, these guys have just stuffed up over and over and over again. And God turns around, he proclaims to Balaam and this horrible king, and all the people who would be around the horrible king, these people are blessed because they're mine. That's grace. It blew me away. It blew me away. And it helps me because I'm just like them. I stuff up. And yet God looks at me and goes, he's mine because he believes in me. And I love him and I, I, I will bless him. And I will have mercy and grace upon him. I need that stuff. That's why I go through the scriptures. That's why you should go through the scriptures. Spend the time in the word. Okay? There's a freebie for you. All right. Where was I? Got a little bit sidetracked. Nourished in the words. Nourished means to be fed. If you do not feed on the word of God, you are malnourished. That makes sense to me. You don't eat, you become malnourished. You fed, everything's a lot better. We all know that. Sometimes we go a little bit of a while, man, I'm starving. That's the same thing with the word of God. And you, sometimes you're like, man, why, is, why am I feeling this way? Maybe I haven't opened up the word. Get in, Okay. And not only that, it tells us that you have carefully followed them. So not only do we learn about the Lord, we do the things he wants us to do. So we put it into practice. We apply it. Not just learning it, put it into practice. And sometimes that can be darn scary. A lot of times it can be darn scary. But as we read the word, he always comes through. God never fails. You know, I've been following the Lord for like 25 years, 26 years, and I still get scared. And I know a lot of stuff about the Lord and the scripture, and it's still scary. Do I trust him? And that's every day. Do I trust him? Okay. But the more you get in the word, the answer is, yeah, I, I trust him. I trust him. That's just honest with you on how, how I am. Okay. The next section, we're going to talk about godliness and how to be godly in your life. So I'm going to read 7 through 8. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. But bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So in this, he gives an illustration of an athlete. And to be the best athlete, you got to do certain things. Diet's important. What to eat and also what not to eat. Now, when I was in university running, and I remember the coach used to tell the guys he hated fizzy drink because it would just ruin your stomach. 
and he would prefer that the people drink beer than drink fizzy. Just telling you what he told us, all right? Some people took that to excess, you know? But it, it, that's how bad fizzy is for you as a runner, all right? But you need to know what to eat and what not to eat, and also what to train and how to do. So the difference between a sprinter and a long-distance runner, a sprinter would work on certain things to make those fast-twitch muscles go, as opposed to long-distance runners do other things to make endurance and everything else. So a guy like Usain Bolt, he wouldn't be training long-distance run. He'd be training to get those fast-twitch muscles going quicker to get going. And you need to train. It's not just you show up and run. You need to train. You need to eat. You need to do all these things. So in this example of um, an athlete, so verse 7 talks about rejecting profane and old wise fables. Again, these are distractions. They just don't do anything for you, but exercise towards godliness. You know, work on godliness. We need to work on our godliness. Godlikeness. What is he like? Is my life reflecting how he is? Again, he talks about the exercise and he compares physical exercise with exercising towards godliness, okay? And he says, uh, physical exercise, it is profitable. It is good, you know? It's good to be physically fit, to have your heart rate down, to do all these different things. And it is profitable a little bit, okay? Then he says, exercising towards godliness is super good. It's profitable for all things. He tells us, having the promise of the life that now is and is to come. Physical fitness is good for here and now. Working on and exercising godliness is good for the here and now, but it's also good for the after, the eternal. There's something in that. And it's like, wait a second. If God wants me to be with him for eternity, I should be working on godliness. I should be working on this. It is something I need to do. It's profitable for all things in the promises that God gives now. You can't live contrary to God and expect the promises to be working. You need to be working towards what he's asking you to do. That's what he's wanting us to do. Moving onwards, you'll be blessed if you work towards godliness here and eternally. Verse 10, 11 and 12, these things command and teach let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So Timothy, teach and command these things. You need to know that you should be in the word. You should need to know that you need to be working towards godliness. These are important things. Timothy, teach people these things. 
Let no one despise your youth. So just because you're young, now, and obviously Timothy was a young man, so it's appropriate for him. But it's no different for those who are old like me, those who are young like some of you, and some who are in between. This is good for all. That being godly is good for you, but being godly is also good for others. It has an impact on other people. It says, be an example. We should be an example. I need to be an example to my kids. I need to be an example to all of you. I need to be an example to the people that I see at the shops, the people that I work with, my neighbors. I need to be an example. But specifically to the believers, in my word, in what I say, I need to be an example in conduct in what I do. I need to be an example in love. What's my motivation for why I'm doing something? In spirit, how I go about doing something. Is it grumbling and complaining? Or is it you just get on with it? You know, there are certain things in life I don't like to do. You know? We still got to clean the house. We still got to do things, you know? Timothy, had, he, he lived in a house. I'm sure he had to do housework, you know? It's like, praise the Lord, you know? Clean the pool. I sit there, I clean the pool. And I tell you, it's, it's amazing. I will sit there, I'll go back and forth and back and forth. And every time I do it, I just say something different to the Lord about. I might be praying for someone back and forth. And I just make that a habit. I don't do that in everything. But when I do the pool, that's what I'm doing. So I've just changed how I do things. I do it in a spirit of thankfulness. Instead of, I have to do this again. You know, stupid tree. If it wasn't for the stupid tree, I'd have no leaves in the pool. You know, but no, I just go, Lord, you know, I pray for Ian. I pray that he has a great time with worship. I pray for Ben because he's got to deal with all the knuckleheads like me. You know, I, I pray for, for this. Or I, pray for, I pray for me, you know. Just anything. I'll pray for my kids. I'll pray for my wife, you know. What's your spirit in the things you're doing? Be an example. Um, in faith, are you doing it because the Lord, you know? I do it because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And then he throws this last one in impurity about being pure. Now think about this. Timothy is ministering in probably the sex capital of the world, in Ephesus. Ephesus had a big theater towards Diana. Could you imagine the temptations as a young man? You know, it's probably easier when Timothy, you know, Timothy and Paul, you're sitting there, he's, and all of a sudden he leaves, and you're on your own now. That's just temptations of the world. But he had, listen, be an example of purity. If you want to know more about, you can learn about Ephesus and all this stuff. It was, it was not good. It was not good. But purity was a, an important thing for him to even throw in there. It wasn't just in word, conduct, in purity as well. So you young people and the old people as well, purity is important. Be careful. Last section about growing. And I want to, this is it really important. 
because we all should be growing. If you're not growing, you're not standing still, you're probably going backwards. Because anytime you're not growing, you're not just standing still. It's usually gravitating towards the other way and you're going backwards. Verse 13 through 16. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the, of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. All right. Verse 13. Listen, till I come, and I think Jesus might say the same thing. Till I come, give attention to reading. Reading the scripture. And obviously this probably was in reference to public reading. But reading the scripture is important. It is so important. If you don't have a, a regular routine. Now I'm not saying I read the Bible every day. Normally um, six or seven. Sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I just don't feel right. And sometimes I just don't want to. That's, that's just honest. I, just, I, get, I get up some days and go, I, I just don't want to. And usually there's a, a voice saying, open the scriptures, and I go, not so, Lord. I mean, that, that, it happens, all right? But if you do not, you should. If you need help, if you need, if you need people to pray that you're not doing this, let someone know so they can, they can lift this to the Lord. That's an answer that God is just going to go, yep, gotcha. I'm okay with that one. That one's going to be answered. You should be reading and learning and developing that relationship daily. Like coming to church is really good. Coming to Bible study is really good. And it's important. But you should be in the Word of God yourself. You should. If you're not, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And you don't want that relationship with God to be wrong. Like, that, that's just, let's just get real. This is important. You should be in. Give attention to reading, to exhortation, to encouraging people, to exhort people. I'm doing it right now. Get into the Word of God. It's not because I want you to. It's because I want you to know the Lord more. I want you to be blessed more. I want you to sit there and go, Wow. I want you to be blown away by him because that's what he does. He blows you away with his goodness and his grace. And it's like, I just had like the worst day and I just did the like worst thing. I didn't do it. And then I read this and it's like, man, he's so good. He said, I, I want to be more like you. Or you might have a great day and you're just learning more and more about him. Like I'm still blown away. I've been reading this thing for 25 years. I'm still blown away. And I still still things, see things and go, how did I miss that the first like 15 times going through? How did I miss that? Where did I get? What? You know, like the first book I ever read, 
was the book of Job. And Ben's doing things, and I'm like, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. First book I ever read. I'm weird, you know. If you become a Christian, I open up the book of Job. Most people open up the book of John. You know, I go with three letters instead of four. I'm a bit more simple. I go with the J-O-B instead of the J-O-H-N. But, you know, but I'm still blown away by it. Man, Job's, go, Job's good. Can, can, can you do it again after you get done with it? it it's good. But encourage. You, you need to encourage people. Because life, life is hard sometimes. People need to be encouraged by the Lord, knowing that he always comes through. Um, doctrine. Give attention to doctrine. The teachings. The doctrine is important. You should know what you believe. You should also know why you believe it. You know? I think in Calvary, Epping, we did the um, uh, biblical theology. Just the simple things going through it. Maybe I'll have a chat with Ben about that. But it, it's good. And even though you know it, like I love going through it again because I, it reinforces it for me. You know? It, it's good. Doctrine is extremely important. It was extremely important to Jesus. It was extremely important to Paul. It should be extremely important to us, and it is extremely important. He throws it in here. He begins this chapter saying about wrong doctrine, and he reinforces doctrine's important. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you. This tells me something, that Timothy had a gift, but he could also neglect it. And you go, the great Timothy? I mean, he hung out with the Apostle Paul. He knew what the gift was. In some prayer meeting, they prayed over him and he knew it. It was given to him, yet he could neglect it. And guess what? We all have gifts. We all are given a gift. It's God's. He's given us something to do. And the wonderful thing about that is, he's given us the gift to do it. It's not us who's doing it, it's him. And he wants it. Imagine, just, just think about this logically. Here is God, the creator of the universe, the, the, the intellect of intellects. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing he can't do. Like he holds, as we saw in Job, the earth is, is sitting on nothing. How does that happen? He's given you a gift. That's how huge he is. He's given you a gift to accomplish something. And we have the choice to say, neglect it. Use your gifts. You've got the gift. Use it. If you don't know what it is, ask him. Maybe even ask others. What do you think my gift is? We've all got gifts. But you can choose to neglect it. Stir it up. Use it. And you're like, wow, God's pretty awesome. God's pretty awesome. Don't neglect the gift Verse 15, 
meditate on these things. We need to spend time away with him. Meditate on these things. When you're doing chores, like I, I sat there t- telling you about how I do cleaning the pool. Just spending time. The greatest thing about cleaning the pool is no one comes out to help when you clean the pool. So I get to spend time with the Lord. It, it's, that's, how I cho- that's how I choose to see it. I could choose to see it as, gee, I wish my kids would just come out and do this. And, and, and why, why am I doing this? You know, but I don't. I go, pool needs to be done. There are times that I sometimes think that. And let's, let's get real. I'm not, I, I am not the saint that you might think I am, you know. I, I was talking to Phil about, hey, Phil, I saw your sermon. I was about, I, I missed half of it because I was asleep. I didn't wake up till 1030. I got my third booster shot and I was exhausted and didn't wake up till 1030. That's my excuse. So, you know, even I'm late for church online, believe it or not. Um, but spend that time, meditate on these things. The things that you're learning, just, just meditate. Take the time to just let it sink in. Think about these things. Give yourself entirely to them. You know, put the time in. We put time in so much other stuff. You put the time in. Then verse 16, and finish off with this. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Wow. He didn't say, take heed to the doctrine and yourself. He puts, take heed to yourself first. We need to take a good look at ourselves. Look in the mirror and go, okay. Be truthful. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the Lord. There might be some things that need to change. And I think we could all say that. There are things I I need to change, you know. But, you know, what's the sense of going through year by year by year and being wrong or being not what you want to do? He's sitting there, hey, Timothy, take heed to yourself. Understand that you can be a goose. You can choose to do wrong things. You can choose to get caught up in stuff. You can choose. And he's like, no, take heed to yourself. Look at yourself. Don't look at the other, it's easy to look at everybody else. I'm doing that right now. I'm looking at you guys. But I need to look at myself and be honest with myself. And there'll be things that I'll have to say, Lord, forgive me. And he's faithful and just to forgive me and move on. That's being honest. Take heed to yourself. And then the second thing he says, take heed to the doctrine. The things that you learn you need to put them into practice. You need, you need to live these things out. Continue in them. That means apply them. Apply them. And in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. My ultimate goal? To be in heaven with the Lord. You know? The day I die, that's what I want to be there. You know? You know? Six months ago, I had a little bit of a reflection, a little bit of scare and went, a reality check. Whoa, I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting, you know, uh, everybody expects to be about 90 90 years. 90, somewhere around there. That's our expectation. That's not reality, you know? And for me, it was like, whoa, 
okay. And he surprised me with things. He surprised me. It was my journey. That was my thing. Everybody has their own little journeys. But I don't want to be one who can depart from the faith. Because it says people can depart from the I don't want to do that. I want to be in the scriptures. I want to be in the Lord. I want to be with him. I want to be in him. I want to be... I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear that. I do. And I want to save others, those who hear you. I want people to be saved. There are people I pray for all the time that don't know the Lord yet, but I want them to. And so I, I, I look at this and I, I, I want to take heed to this. I want you to take heed to this because I know there are people who you know who don't know the Lord. You know, if, if we can just get back to the simplicity of Christ, being with Him, following Him, doing those things, the impact that we can make and the impact that He can make is unreal, is unreal. And we look at this church and think, okay, there's only, you know, what have we got, 15, 20 people, there's home... Don't underestimate what God can do. Don't underestimate it. He is bigger than you could ever imagine. Ever imagine. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for everything that you've provided for us, Lord. We thank you for forgiveness. That you don't sit here and, and look at us and think, you know, now I'm not going to help this out. You're, you're, you're an ever-present help. You're everything that we need. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for that spirit, Lord, the spirit in us. Help us to not neglect you and the things that you've provided for us to do what you want us to do. Um, so we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.